What do you think the word plumpjack? What, what if you hear a company called plumpjack? What do you think it's called? Uh, plumpjack. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but I'm thinking of like a really weird fruit. Hmm. But also some kind of electronic. Hmm. I think of like fluffer. Yeah, that but would you, make sense. Like, but you if you stop talk- halfway. I don't know about the stop halfway bit, but if you told me it had something to do with porn, I'd believe it too. Probably the word jack. Yeah, and plump. I guess it's a winery. Welcome everyone another episode of the old talking connection and i'm gonna address what is ultimately an elephant in the room but try and keep it brief because uh this is not a political podcast and probably not the best place to you know get on the soapbox but um yeah elections clean sweep on the republican end of things so if you are of that mindset uh congratulations i suppose I'm uh, more on the opposite end of things, so I'm a little upset. But again, not the time or place to really get into that. Uh, luckily, this is a, uh, well, you know, it's an anime podcast. Regardless of uh, which side of the fence you're on, we're all here to enjoy, talk about anime, and just be weeps. Yep. So this is week two of my accidental theme month. Uh, obscure 80s OVAs, and, uh, well, I guess I should let the episode speak for itself, but to give you a little preview, we kind of go in a very different direction from the previous app, so, uh, please enjoy. So, Mike, we watched another obscure 80s OVA. How do you feel about that? About that fact? Yeah. Or about this anime? Let's start with the fact. Um, I guess I'm for it. Because it feels like we're gem hunting or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I would call this a gem. Really? No. I thought it was cute. It was cute, but it really for me didn't do much was 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 what 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 was wrong here was the character not enough of a sociopath for you that too but i think up until the point where like like the damn good cop with a good hunch like starts strapping guns on <laughs> that like, was my favorite part <laughs> up, with, up until that point like, well, that was the point where I realized, like, why weren't we just following this character? Mm-hmm. I thought the main character was kind of a dweeb, and he wasn't really interesting. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of turned into a weird buddy cop action movie. Yeah. And that was kind of cool. But it was just, like, the whole... Like, there was... It was just... The plot was so cookie-cutter. Yeah, though, it's, it's something I did want to talk about, is it's very cookie-cutter, but it's very cookie-cutter by American standards. Yeah, it is. The which, standard- what you have to consider is that this, you gotta remember that this is a Japanese outing. And it was, like, 40 years ago. Yeah, and it, it's not even like it's set in America. Yeah, or rather 30 years ago. But I feel like that's indeed, what makes this uh, kind of an interesting watch on yeah, either side. It home. has kind of, like, I feel like it would have more charm if it were, like, a Hollywood movie from, like, the 40s or something. Mm-hmm. Or 50s, and it was in black and white. But, like, I don't know, it was just, like, the animation, but it's always cool to see animation from that time. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy it, but at the same time, like putting this up against other stuff that we've watched, it just kind of meets like it's like par for the course. Like it's just gonna look good because it's from that time, mm-hmm. and they did things differently. Yeah, uh, par is probably the best way to describe it. But in in that, I feel it has a degree of charm to it. You're uh, 
very keen on describing things on this show as homely. And I feel like maybe, <laughs> maybe this falls into that category. It is. It's like, I don't know. I felt like it was like it was on in the background, even though I was watching it the whole time. It feels like the kind of thing that just kind of comes on when you leave the TV on long enough. Yeah, but like in a different time period because this shit doesn't come on anymore. Yeah, well, maybe more like in our childhoods. Yeah. I wish there was a channel that just played shit like this all day. Um, There kind of was on this... Uh, like, I used to have this... When we were living together, I used to have this digital antenna that I would like... Uh, mo- mainly so I could have TV on in the background. Mm-hmm. That's the thing for me, specifically when I go to sleep. Yeah, I know. I would always turn it off once you fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, which would kind of bother me when I woke up. Because part of the reason why I, I have background noise on when I sleep is because, uh, it, it's going to be weird to say, it um, makes my dreams a bit less crazy. Huh. It, like, grounds them in some way. That's weird. It is weird, but yeah, when I try and <laughs> sleep with no kind of background noise going on, my dreams are weird and often distressing. That's very strange. Like, I'm trying to think of what that reminds me of. It's like, it's like, wait, did you see Civil War yet? Wait, the uh, the Marvel movie? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Oh, like when, and I guess minor spoilers, but not really. Spider Man when he. He's talking to Tony Stark about like why he wears like goggles and shit. It's like it's just too much. Everything's too much. I gotta like tone everything down. I've gotta filter shit. I, yeah, and I feel like there's there's other characters like that, like Psycho Mantis. So. Well, but, yeah, it's kind of like I mean, isn't that the reason why <laughs> uh, Spider-Man cracks so many jokes, specifically while he's fighting? Yeah. So yeah, that's it. Interesting. Really getting really excited talking about your sleeping habits. <laughs> but yeah, it's... if I would have known, I would have sung to you in the middle of the night. I don't know. I don't know if that would have helped. It really, it's it's not even the middle of the night. It's usually, uh, I want to say the dream. The dreaming I usually do is like six or like four or six hours in. Hmm. Or maybe later. Do you remember your dreams every time? I know I dream every night, but I don't always remember them. Hmm. Especially as of late with like the weird stomach issues and shit I've been having. Yeah, I want to say I have I've been having more weird dreams since I started seeing this girl... Like it was, and part of that I think is because you know when you go and sleep at different places, mm-hmm. they say sometimes it's disorienting to wake up, but they also say that you 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 tend to dream more outlandish. Mm-hmm. So I, I've definitely been having, and there's like reoccurring themes. Like I keep seeing people that I know from the past working in like fast food. <laughs> But anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to tie it back, this is the kind of thing I'd say this movie might be the kind of thing I'd like to have on in the background mm-hmm. when I sleep. It has that sort of comforting element to it. Yeah. Um, I feel kind of like uh, we say that a lot on this show. What? I, f- I feel like blank. I feel... Well, it's good, because, you know, I was just watching a Q&A with Cinefix. They were talking about stuff, and they were talking about why they don't uh, go into things, like, looking, like... Getting super into, like, directorial intent and things like that, and mm-hmm. they they always talk about the way things make them feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm... I was happy to hear them say that because that's kind of how I was taught in my cinema classes, like mm-hmm. my film history classes. Mm-hmm. Is you're watching it and how does it make you feel? If it makes you feel something, like that's a valid thing. 
Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's other people are like, no, that's not what they meant. Or like, this is like what the director meant. Like, mm-hmm. If if something's there and you can interpret it, yeah. if you can see it and interpret it a certain way, then that's valid. Okay. Yeah. So I think... I kind of like hearing that too. Yeah, I think when we watch things, it it makes us feel or I think especially on this show it's like a range between like it makes us feel or it makes us not feel <laughs> and uh this was uh, all over the place See, it wasn't for me mm-hmm. um i think this is going to be uh, a more cordial disagreement between us because mm-hmm. um while it was pleasant i did enjoy it it didn't I will say it, it didn't, I, I guess, excite or enthrall me the way other things I've watched for this show has. It's lacking an element of, like, intrigue. I guess so. There's no hard pull. It's not like the bad is, guy... But it is charming. Yeah, it's not like you don't... It's not like the bad guy sprouts wings at some point. It's like, oh, he's a demon. It's See, like, no... It's pretty straightforward. I feel like that's part of the charm, though, is that it, it's mostly lacking in anime bullshit, with the yeah. exception of maybe that, like, bazooka attachment to the shotgun. Yeah, that was ridiculous. See, that's kind of how I felt about the last anime, anime we watched. Like, it was straightforward, but it did have intrigue. I know you didn't like the intrigue, but Ugh. it, it had it. That wasn't intrigue. That was sadism. I kept waiting to see what he was going to do next. Whereas this, it was like I was more predicting what was going to happen. I next. guess in that regard, you could say it, but the intrigue for me was waiting to see how he would die. <laughs> Only for him not to die and me to just feel like, <laughs> like somebody had just pulled some shit on me. Mm. <laughs> I think somebody did. <laughs> yeah, somebody did. Whoever wrote that shit. <laughs> well, specifically whoever commissioned that OVA, because I, I can't confirm with the manga for... The thing we're talking about is what we watched last week, Blue Flames, and uh, I, I don't know who commissioned that OVA. I don't know why they would leave it on that clip. I mean, I guess it would make sense to leave it on that cliffhanger if you do have a manga where you do actually get to see the, that fucker die. Or, just or find all. redemption. I don't. I don't want him to find redemption. He's too garbage. He does mm-hmm. too much like profoundly evil shit. <laughs> mm. but, but see, it's like we're talking about it. Yeah, but I'm angry. It hurt me. <laughs> it wasn't pleasant. It was, ugh. <laughs> it was bad. I wish I'd never watched it. It. It hurt. Mm. I enjoyed the bride. This didn't hurt. <laughs> nah. Sometimes I don't want things to hurt, Mike. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting to watch this after Shitty Blue Candle, because uh, they're very... they're may I, Maybe I can like abuse this word like I do again when I say they're profoundly different experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. Um, I'm just very curious what you're going to pick next. I'm not sure I feel like myself. We're, I feel like we're making a trilogy here. <laughs> I, you know, it might be worth it to stay on the, um, the obscure OVA ride for right now. Yeah, especially there, since this is one more thing I've watched that yeah, I could spe- have us watch. Especially with without Joe. Yeah, that that's been, dear listener, part of the issue I've been having with the episodes as of late is there's like a lot of stuff I either want set aside for all three of us, or there's a couple of things I actually have Joe in mind for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should ask him if he's actually going to come back. I talked with him about it. Uh, what do you say? He does want to come back. Yeah, I saw him say that in the G chat. He, 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 I think specifically he was talking with him and he was like, I don't know when exactly, mm. but I do have every intention of coming back. <sighs> His triumphant return. Yeah. 
Maybe we have to go to him, make a pilgrimage to Joe, <laughs> sacrifice, make an offering to him. Yeah. Eh, don't know. Kind of curious as to how he would have reacted to this. I don't know. I feel like he probably would have probably been similar to me. Maybe more one way or the other. Yeah. So, uh, what did you like about this? Well, I liked the the damn good cop with a hunch. Uh, I think his name was like Mochizuki or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. He was pretty cool. Um, you know, I wasn't actually. I usually like the henchman characters, but I didn't really care for this one. There wasn't a whole lot going on with him outside of being anime Rutger Hauer. Yeah, that's. I'm glad you said that because I was going to bring that up too. He specifically like, looks like Roy Batty. Yeah, he looks like the yeah Rutger Hauer in the '80s, but he wasn't like we didn't really get to know any of these characters, which I don't think was the point really. No, it, was, it, it wasn't. They're very much stock archetypes. Yeah, it, but it was like, okay, this is a writer man. And he's teamed up with a badass cop with a mustache. He's a bit of an odd duck for a writer, man. But I guess, like, very in keeping with that uh, fish out of water in the crime element type thing that Mm -hmm. we would find in the movies that are likely based, that this is likely based on. Yeah, it escalates. Like, once they get to that kidnapping situation, it, it really escalates. Yeah. It turns into like a Bond movie. It, it it kind of like cranks up on the uh, not really the crime, the the uh, I guess the Hollywood action. In that you get uh, a car chase followed by the big shootout. Mm-hmm. And then he's the helicopter chase. Yeah. <laughs> and somehow. Which I like the fact that the helicopter flies up before it explodes. I don't even remember it exploding. I just remember Mustache Cop uh, really keeping pace with it. Yeah, he had like a... Well, he took the thing out with like a... The love child of a... uh, Magnum and a rifle. (laughs) I don't know what that gun was. I think they made up some guns for this. Yeah, yeah. Well, the bazooka attachment to the shotgun (laughs) was definitely made up. Yeah. That that, uh, pocket rifle probably was too. But, I mean, when they escaped on the helicopter, he just, like, ran and, like, was with it the whole time. Mm-hmm. Well, it did kind of circle around at least yeah. at least twice. Yeah, it was, uh... It's, uh... I don't know. I like elements of it. Like, the reason why I say, uh, writer man, Rio, is an odd duck is, uh... There's weird parts where he's mysteriously nonplussed by certain elements. Like uh, when the villain fucking... I think his name is supposed to be Gota, but I kept calling him Gouda Cheese in my head. Is trying to give the villain his backstory, and he's like, Nope, not interested. No, don't tell me. I don't want to hear it. Mm-hmm. It's just like adamantly trying to keep him from talking. Yeah, but he's like... What's that guy's name? The guy's name's like Geese or something. Yeah, uh, go to Geese. Go to Geese. But like when you look at it in text, it looks like Gouda Cheese. Mm-hmm. Which may have been by design. I don't know. Jumper K, when are we going to buckle down and get to writing real hard on this erotic thriller? Oh, Jesus. I had a new concept. I got a concept. Uh, what's your concept? Oh, well, Ted, my idea was, well, I went and saw this movie. It was about, like, Mayans in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. And all the Guatemalans were like, hey, why'd you make this movie about the fucking Mayans? No one cares. And then it came out, and they were like, oh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. My idea is to take that, like, I was like, why would you write about blank in America. Mm-hmm. And I came up with 
why would you write a white trash hillbilly erotic thriller? <laughs> oh dear. Um. Well, the only thing I can think of in regards to white trash hillbilly is Killer Joe. That's got Joe, it. That's what's it? Uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Uh oh yeah. But that yeah. was a comedy. They're definitely hillbillies, and they're like, they're like the nicest guys ever. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> that's because uh, we want to be writers. Yeah. Maybe like I think, and I think in regards to that, I'm probably gonna run into the same problem that this guy has. Where people keep telling him to write about his life. He's like, ew, no. I don't know. I think your ideas are pretty highfalutin. I'd like to see them fleshed out. They they are. Um, I do put bits of my life in the stuff I write, but... That's always good. I'm not going to write anything like autobiographical. Yeah. Like, that's just no. Yeah, I could, but it'd like, be I depressing. Have to, I have the same reaction as this guy has, where she's like, ew, no. Stop it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the best artists do that. Like, mm-hmm. directors and stuff, you always hear, oh, this was pulled from their life, like parts of it. Yeah, pieces of it. But directors don't go, and writers, they don't make their own autobiographies, except for Antoine Fisher. Well, I'm not even talking, like, autobiography, just like you write this like it, it's supposed to be fiction but it's basically your life with different with a different cast <laughs> like fucking like it was I'm saying like a lot today uh, I know it was more than these two but uh 50 Cent and Get Richard Die Trying and then Eminem with uh 8 Mile and mm-hmm. where it's, like, it's clearly you- their life you can do it, but then it's like they haven't really made any other movies, have they? No. Like they had one thing to say, and it was themselves. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can't really think of anyone off the top of my head, but I feel like there's a couple of directors or writers or that do that a lot. Uh, yeah, I see what you mean. Normally, somebody like does it once and either builds off of it or just kind of goes off to do something else. Mm-hmm. Like I feel kind of so like someone who does the maybe including elements of their life in it well is a uh, Stallone. Yeah, he does. Think about like uh, Rocky and Over the Top. Yeah. He'll, like, pull because he knows what's going on with himself and where he's at in his life. Like, mm-hmm. And those characters age with him because he is that age. Yeah. Like, uh, that first Rocky is very much being about uneasy, being uneasy about 30. Yeah. <laughs> I love Stallone so much. He's good. He's great. He has a really good Instagram, too. Oh, really? Yeah, he just posts, like... He'll post, like, videos of him talking to fans or, like, his family or, like, looking at art or something. That's it's really... Neat. It's a really... He's, like, entered his cute old man phase. Mm-hmm. Which is hilarious since half of that is, like, Expendables, Bullet to the Head, <laughs> brutal-ass action movie. Yeah. But, like, that now is the equivalent of your grandpa coming in with, like, a... a a uh, vinyl record and being like, I want to put something on for you kids. This is what I used to listen to. <laughs> yeah. But he's, he's like real proud of his family and stuff. Mm-hmm. He's really funny. Yeah, we keep, I, I have the sneaking suspicion, Mike, we keep veering off course because you've got like nothing to say about this. <laughs> Yeah, I really don't have much to say. All right, so I'm going to just ramble on for a minute. and You jump in whenever you're ready. Oh, yeah, you had, it seemed like you had a lot to say about the creator of this since we're talking about creators. Well, um, I decided to look up, when I was trying to come up with uh, recommendations, I decided to look up the uh, cast of this. and 
if information on the shitty blue candle was sparse, then this is even more so. But uh, that's because this is a standalone effort, very much a one shot. I think it may have been giving the ball to people who worked primarily in other elements. Because, uh, I mean, the script writer here is a script writer across the board. He's written a lot, but he seems to be a big, uh, sort of a big presence in a handful of ongoing shows, animes, whatever. Uh, I'm talking about Kazunori Ito. Uh, some might recognize the name from uh, Padlebor. He seems to have a writing credit credit associated with everything Padlebor that I know of. I'm, I haven't got into the series, so I don't know for certain if he's like the big name behind that or not. If he is, I'm going to look pretty stupid. But whatever. Uh, he's also heavily associated with a lot of uh, dot hack animes. I don't know if he crosses over into the uh, light novels, mangas, and video games. And he seems to have done a, at least two uh, two big things with uh, Mamoru Oshii. One being the ghost, the original Ghost in the Shell movie. And another being a live-action film called Avalon, which I enjoyed a lot. Mm. He also wrote the screenplay for Pistol Opera, which is uh, <laughs> done by a, um, a somewhat well-known, somewhat infamous uh, director mm-hmm. named uh, Seijun Suzuki. Yeah. Mostly well-known for uh, Branded to Kill, the film which got him uh, blacklisted yeah. in Japan for quite a while. I feel like he's someone that we would talk about on this show, like do an episode on, but I also feel like you wouldn't want to do that. Uh, yeah, probably because you would lay into him incessantly. Well, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I feel like they're films that I would want to rewatch. I feel like I would have nothing to say about it, kind of like this. Well, I want to say like after you watch, like you watched pistol opera and branded to kill within uh within a close enough time frame you were like i think i just don't like this guy <laughs> yeah i think i was just like i just don't get and it that well those are his most extreme efforts mm-hmm. let me just say i'd say was... to be safe if you want to get a feel for i guess how good he can be watch something mm-hmm. called youth of the beast yeah, you told me that, and like maybe some something else to watch that um, I never um, did. What was it? It's the other thing he's most known, most well known for, uh, Tokyo Drifter. Mm. Yeah, and, that. And that. In the case of that one, it's more the visuals, but his like somewhat out, outlandish storytelling is present there, but it's a bit more grounded. Yeah, I don't know when the last time. Do you remember when I watched those movies? I think. I may have still been living in the uh, same apartment as you. Hmm. I'm not sure. I feel like I feel. I'm pretty sure it was before I left California. Yeah, I feel like I would want to do a little more research on him, Mm -hmm. and maybe, or I don't know, maybe I'm I'm ready for it now. But it's weird because I never run into a director whose work felt. I don't want to say vapid because that's not right it just felt like self-indulgent yeah it felt like he didn't have anything to say and like and i know this is why you like him is like he just put things up that he thought were he just did things because he thought they were cool and that like wasn't enough for me at the time but i I do want to he he does things he thinks that he that he thinks are cool but he goes all in on them Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I remember when I was younger, I really wanted to watch Pistol Opera, mm-hmm. and I waited a really long time, and then I finally watched it, and I was disappointed. Yeah, I remember I, wanting to I see think, that, too. I think he's someone who deserves a second look, or I need to like look up some stuff. to. I think you need contrast with him, because uh, most people do associate him with uh, Branded to Kill and Pistol Opera and the, the craziness. And I feel mm-hmm. like after you watch Branded to Kill, you should watch 
I mean, if you're gonna watch his big stuff, yeah, watch Branded to Kill and then watch Tokyo Drifter. Mm-hmm. But I'd say really watch the weirdness and then watch one of his more grounded works, like uh, mm-hmm. like Youth of the Beast. That's probably my favorite. Uh, or tied with uh, Tokyo Drifter. Hmm. Yeah, I'll give those a look at some point. Didn't Tokyo Drifter, do they make more stuff out of that? Like, I feel like there was an anime about that. I don't think so. Maybe I'm just thinking of City Hunter. Yeah, I think I can pull Seijun Suzuki into the uh, into like the grips of this podcast, but we would have to watch another loop in anime. Hmm. Which I don't I don't know if I want to put myself through that again. I'd want to watch it. It depends on which one. I don't want to Wait, relive he, that trauma. Did he work on some looping or something? Yeah, I think he either directed or wrote the only uh, Pink Jacket film. Huh. Weird. Which was, I think, like Gold of Tokyo or like Tokyo Babylon or something like that. Mm. I can't remember. I don't know. But I, I like Lupin when he's done a certain way, you know? Like, we, re- I really liked Fujiko Mine. No, this is a uh, high-octane goofy Lupin. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say because he's such a... He's so one-dimensional that it really depends on the story that's around him and the characters he's surrounded with like Like, he's all about context yeah framing and all that like like where you put him Mm -hmm. we went off on another tangent but at least it's loosely related because it's tied back to cinema and screenwriting and shit Mm -hmm. um there is a primary character we haven't talked about yet uh i think her name was yuki the female lead? Yeah, the lady. Uh, do you have like, anything to say about her? Well, if the main dude is Pac-Man, then she is like Pac-Man with a bow. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, she gets a cool action scene. She yeah. She a cool chase scene. So that's... That was... Um, I There was a point where I was like mad because I didn't understand... I think it's when she, like, brings that letter to that dude. Mm-hmm. And then the dude, I think, is, like, the old man professor. He's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is bad. You better take it. I don't understand. Why didn't she just go straight to the cops? Or why didn't the guy tell her to go straight to the cops or whatever? She's like, no, nah, I'm going to go on vacation. It's like, no, I'm going to go on vacation now. <laughs> yeah. I think I might have missed something, though. Yeah, that whole vacation element felt out of place to not really out of place, but like poorly set up. I couldn't tell who was on vacation and where they were. <laughs> or who was? I didn't know who was going. I thought she was gonna, because there's like a montage of her and the dude, and I was like, oh, which, so which feels like a tourist, like a tourism commercial. <laughs> <laughs> it does. There is so much, so much sax in this that I thought for sure they were gonna bone at some point. Yeah, that 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 sax is just wailing all throughout the movie and. I think it was one of the elements of it I liked. Yeah. Um, at the same time, it felt like being in an elevator, somewhat. But, um... <laughs> but, yeah, like, it's like, she's on vacation, and then they spend some time introducing her her friend that's there with her. Mm-hmm. She's kind of weird. She, like, walks in, says something, and then walks out. Yeah. And, and she never shows up again. But they call attention to her like she's important mm-hmm. and she's not there's things like that feel really weird it feels a little like there's a half hour of this movie missing yeah because it feels like it's supposed to be a legit film but it's only an hour long yeah i think it needed more with the cop it did he was he, he did it it did feel like this movie needed more of him mm-hmm and like there was maybe some uh, elements of character development in regards to the other two that we were probably missing also. Mm-hmm. Like they'll just like hint at weird things and never really explain. Like the only um, indication you have of uh, Yuki's ability to drive so well is her saying, "I haven't driven since I was 14." <laughs> yeah, and that that part, like that plan, like they're like, okay. You just make sure you get in the driver's seat, and then I'll do the rest. And then he's like, 
stomach pain, and then she somehow and it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, and then but the guy just doesn't shoot him. Well, and he I, just he just all 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 out attacks the dude. Like, yeah, and there is some shit. Yeah, there's a but it's like this guy's a seasoned hitman. Like really? how did this happen? But there's a point where like right after that when he's knocked out and the big bad dude is like <coughs> oh yeah the uh the your uh, yeah. obligatory movie contrivance of it's yeah. like no don't kill him we're going to torture him <laughs> yeah or we can't kill him now i feel like if you're a writer and you've gotten you've written yourself to this point you need to just back up and have something else happen i think you need to have him like dive into the car yeah, or have someone rescue him at that point. Well, it's, yeah. You don't yeah, want it. It's... Yeah, I think that's what it is. You have the uh, detective show up at that point. Yeah. Or, or just... at the point where the tire gets shot out of the car. Yeah. There's just no stakes when you do stuff like that. Because right then, what you're saying is to the audience is like, you don't need to worry about this guy. He's going to be fine. It's like, yeah, don't Ooh. worry. We'll We'll get this back on track. Yeah, onto onto that predictable track that you want. Mm. Well, that I wanted. Yeah. Get some great eyebrows, though. <laughs> you and the eyebrows. There is... I guess I can tie something to that in the sense that... uh, I kind of wanted to compare her to a Barbie doll over the course of this uh, movie. Oh, I was talking about him. Oh, really? Hey, elite. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, nice that your interest in eyebrows is unisex. It is. Uh, uh, just that you see her in different states of like dress and like she's done up in some scenes and not in others. Mm. Yeah, she's full on like granny mode in some scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Which was kind of kind of. Oh, it was interesting to see that. Like, I kind of want to see that across the board in movies. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that's... Uh, in Any kids out there listening, that's uh, one of the more than likely bad but possibly good parts about being an adult. you got to wear a bunch of different hats. Yeah, and it's, I think that what you're talking about, like, kind of, if we go a little deeper, is, like too long like dress especially for women is like this girl is dressed this way so she's the slutty character and this Mm -hmm. one's real homely so she's like the nerdy shy girl Mm -hmm. she's wearing sweatshirts when it's like real women do both of those things you know well yeah she kind of hits three or four different archetypes in this movie alone yeah i mean there's times when you go when you look nice and there's times when you look like shit and I'm the same way. Like I think across the board, it might be harder to do an animation, which is probably why we appreciate it more here, mm-hmm. because it's easier to create a template and then work that template in every scene. Yeah, it's harder to do costume changes. But I mean, it's something you don't see a lot, and it's not not that it's particularly used to like great effect here, because she really doesn't have that much of a personality. But it's it is something it's you're showing a whole life when you show someone and how they dress says a lot about mm-hmm. what they're doing. And it can say like two contrasting views of dress can say a lot about somebody about one character mm-hmm. rather than it you know I don't know. I'm no, it, I mean yeah, no, I see what you mean though. Like, the fact that she has, uh, like, on one side of the fence, like, college student to full-on granny mode. Mm-hmm. And then there's, like, her during date night, and then her at the end of the movie where she looks like she went out mm-hmm. running. Yeah, where it's a lot of places should do the cheap route and, like... Yeah, I don't know. I already Where said it. you just have like one outfit, maybe two at the most, and that's just kind of mm-hmm. like that outfit isn't just the clothes the character is wearing; it is the character. Yeah, I remember seeing something a while ago. I don't know if it was from like feminist frequency or something, but somebody was talking about how 
there's all these ad campaigns where it's like they have all these like they'll have amorphous blobs or something like the example i think was you know the movie theater like weird mm. there's like a movie theater with like the red circles and they all have like there's like a ninja one like an action one and like a romantic one for different types of movies mm-hmm. and, and it's like it has all of these different things and then one of them is just girl <laughs> like it's just got a bow <laughs> and like big lips yeah like that type of thing yeah like pac-man with bow in her head yeah like... there was like i think it was that episode i think an episode of feminist frequency where it was like well, what what I remember is uh, talking about there was there was a footage of a beat 'em up. I don't know what beat 'em up it was, but there was like, here's the big muscle character, here's the speedster, and here's the girl. Yeah, that happens. The girl is an archetype. Yeah, they all like girl as archetype versus girl with archetype. Mm-hmm. That happened a lot, and like, I just remember so many PlayStation games and SNES games where it's like, yeah. Sometimes they would switch it up where the girl would be the speed character, like the ninja or whatever. Usually, all... that's how they would do it. Yeah, that's how they would always do it. Usually, but I don't know. Yeah, uh, rarely, but I have seen it happen occasionally in fighting games where like, the woman was like the big muscle brawler. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you don't see that too often. I'm gonna say fighting games you get the most diverse casts, mm-hmm. but you also get the most stereotypes. Which, but like, I'm honestly but fine. With they're it. usually, yeah, usually uh, racial stereotypes. Yeah, they are. That's what I meant. They're always like, I always find that really funny to me, though. I don't yeah. know. I kind of like that. Yeah, there's there's a, a, a humorous element to it usually. Like, uh, it's the stereotypes are at least intended to be lighthearted. Mm-hmm. And half yeah. the time, a big part of those stereotypes is we're actually depicting this this fighting game character is straight up this character from this movie or this TV show. Or yeah, yeah. Every fighting game has Bruce Lee in it. <laughs> yeah, Street Fighter is actually like rife with like XP characters, but they're usually from uh, based on characters from Japanese properties. So mm-hmm. the American audience isn't quite aware of them. But uh, I guess uh, one that uh, the most obvious one to the degree that they have to change the name of the character is a uh, Balrog, mm-hmm. who in uh, Japan is called Mike Bison. <laughs> yeah. Uh... Uh, I think Virtua Fighter is the only fighting game I can think of without a Bruce Lee clone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, Jeet Kune Do character is... Uh, yeah. It does have Jeet Kune Do. The Jeet Kune Do characters are white-ass white people. Yeah, they're Americans, which makes sense, I guess, yeah. it's an American fighting style. Yep. Well, it's got that uh, pragmatic spirit to it, also. <laughs> Do what works and all that. Um... So how do you feel about antiques and uh, counterfeit paintings dealings as, like, the driving force of this uh, plot? I don't know if I'd call it a driving force. Or just kind of like where, or or just kind of like being the bad guy's wheelhouse. (laughs) It's like, it's not weapon smuggling, it's not drugs, it's not prostitution. It's sort of interesting, but you know... It's a bogus authenticity certificate. (laughs) I thought it was kind of clever, but it's really, like, clever and, like, ah. It takes, like, 20 seconds for them to, like, talk about it, and it's, like... It's also weird that, like, this sort of uh, racket would rack up such a high body count. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little strange. But money's involved, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, you know, honestly, when stuff is like highfalutin art world intrigue, that my brain kind of turns off because that shit's it usually involves like pretty boring art. <laughs> and, and in fact, I'm not quite sure we see any art in this. No, it's mainly about the certificates here. <laughs> the certificates of authenticity. I think, you know, I was reading this comic called Thief of Thieves. Robert Kirkman created it. 
and I I was picking it up regularly, and I got to like issue eight or nine, and then I was kind of like, why am I reading this? Mm-hmm. What? I didn't say Siri. Um. Yeah, but the most that held my attention was like the Thomas Crown Affair. I, I like that movie. Yeah, but even that that had like cool like moments of thievery and. It's some great editing. Bond great... shit that wasn't really Bond shit, but was enough Bond shit to get <laughs> Brosnan off the Bond shit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, art, it's just like snobby artists, and it's hard to make them. It's it's or... more snobby rich people, but they're yeah. like... Not even the artists, it's the people that buy the art, and they're like... Yeah, well, like the movie kind of like makes fun of them. It's like... Like the what is the term he used? Novu rich. I don't know what that <laughs> means exactly. Probably. He basically described them as being like, lift listless and up their own ass. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, I like that movie, but it's like hard for me to like watch a lot of that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, have you seen Art School Confidential? No. Uh, maybe you should. <laughs> Is that a movie? Yep. It's also a graphic novel. Hmm. I feel like I've heard of it. Sort of like in a similar vein to Ghost World. Hmm. I wasn't that big of a fan of Ghost World. Yeah, I'm not sure if... I think it I think it may be like the same, same artist. I'm not sure. They, oh. they feel kind of similar. In that, in that transition. Yeah, it's either um, what are their names? Fucking Adrian Tomine, who I like a little more, and then there is Daniel Klaus, who I like. Um, wasn't that big of a fan of Ghost World, but yeah, they do interesting stuff. They they have they're, they're kind of interchangeable with their art styles and they kind of tell t- similar stories as well. Mm-hmm. But it was probably Daniel Klaus. Mm-hmm. He's the guy that did Ghost World. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Touch on the music before we uh, go on the recommendations. Um, uh, it's a specifically a jazz group out in Japan who I think did maybe not together but separately a lot of work on other. Uh, OVAs coming out in the time because uh, that last song for this um, I could have swore I heard at the end of you guys. <laughs> and, yeah, and it wasn't, but I think um, I think it was the same uh, music company associated with it, mm-hmm. so they may have like um, they probably had some of the same people. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me find the name of this group here: Chicken Shack. It's <laughs> a good name for a jazz band. Which is a uh, which was a Japanese jazz fusion band, but uh, had a had a token black guy in it, named uh, I think Derek Johnson. Weird for a jazz band to have a token black guy. Yeah. And hold up, no, they're still going. Well, they were still going in 2013. I'm not <laughs> sure if they're going now, but yeah, I found like I've been trying to like find. Because apparently the soundtrack to this anime exists. I found like a listing in the database, but uh, I I I want the actual soundtrack. Some of that music was really good. Specifically, <laughs> that song that plays as a uh, as a uh, fucking Japanese Dirty Harry is loading up. <laughs> that scene was just too good. Japanese dirty hairy. But, uh, okay. You know what is like a, a shame is that we never got a tequila anime. Hmm. You know, it. Yeah, it's surprising. There aren't a lot of animes that are just specifically about the gunplay. Yeah, it would have been like if that were a Japanese movie, there'd be like five, like yeah. Inspector Tequila. Mm-hmm. Really, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that character hasn't been taken in more directions. It's kind of like you got the original movie, you got that game they tried to do. Mm, that's right. And that was kind of it. It was. 
I mean, granted, maybe some of that has to do with Chow Yun-Fat doing the same stuff in other movies as different characters. Yeah, like, uh, The Killer is also pretty good. Mm. I still haven't seen that. It's on my list. It's good. It's, um... Yeah, I guess, uh, recommendations. Uh, you got anything to recommend to the listeners? Based on this? Yeah. Um... Just go back and watch like some pre-code film noir, um, <laughs> or like I don't know, man. Other '80s cop dramas. There's really I like don't know. The, maybe the big one, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, that's the ending of this. That really brought out some Lethal Weapon vibes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. The Ebony and Ivory. <laughs> uh, watch Dirty Harry. Yeah, if you want something more about the Mochizuki. Mm-hmm. Or anything by Clint Eastwood. Mm-hmm. He's kind of a god. Um, yeah. I don't know. Whenever I see things about like writers and like creators in anime, I always just come back to Golden Boy in that last... Mm-hmm episode with the oh about the uh yeah about the animation studio mm-hmm. yeah I, I don't have too much um i want to say for like more from this writer in slightly in this vein uh pat pat labor pat labor whatever mm-hmm. which is basically uh your uh, standard TV cop drama, except rather than just being cops, the cops are in cop mechs. <laughs> like Maybe it I literally is like a, like from what I hear, it's that very um, outside of the whole mech element. It's very grounded, or maybe it just has like a lot of mundane elements that they play up. Hmm. It's very much a cop drama with mechs rather than. A mech show featuring cops. Mobile police Pat Labor. Ah, it is Pat Labor. It's a portmanteau of patrol and labor. Okay, because I know the robots are called labors. Hmm. Pat Labor. So, so the police, uh, no, so the police robots are patrol labors. Hmm. Or Pat Labors for short. And the Japanese really do like the portmanteau. <laughs> they do. They love giant robots, and they love America. They, they've they got a love-hate relationship with America. <laughs> they love our culture. Yeah, I can show you some uh, animes that uh, uh, depict the hate rather well. <laughs> That's funny. One of them's a cop show. Hmm. What's that? Uh, Angel Cop. Angel Cop. It's also, um, I kind of like it because it's also one of those animes where the dub is a product of uh, what was called 15-ing. Um, and... Sounds like a type of porn. <laughs> it would be illegal if it was. Um, but I think 15 or 15 and up or something like that was a rating in the UK. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, they wanted to get more anime past that rating. So what they would do on top of, like, if there wasn't enough messed up stuff going on in the anime, then they would also just add in copious amounts of swearing. <laughs> <laughs> and it, like, I guess for some, it made the animes unwatchable, but for others, like me, <laughs> it makes them even more charming. <laughs> Wait, so this is something that they did on the Japanese side? No, in the uh, UK. Oh, so in the in dubs. In UK dubs, did. yeah. Yeah, because you can kind of... I noticed he said, like, Baka early on, and it would translate it as asshole. Yeah. Because their words have such range. Like, mm-hmm. they mean idiot, or like, I'm fucking like, cocksucker! Or dumbass. You know? Yeah, they're like, asshole. Shithead. <laughs> Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, Pat Labor's one. Uh, if you like seeing the Japanese try and take on the uh, 
80s cop drama or cop show type thing, then something we're going to watch later on is, um, well, whenever Joe gets back, is uh, Gunsmith Cats, Mm. which I think has gotten mentioned a couple times. Um, A side story or spinoff of Gunsmith Cats is something we did watch. It was actually our first episode, uh, Riding Bean. (laughs) Granted, Riding Bean's a bit more out there. Writing bean has a bit more has a few more fantastical elements. Based but bean, but it's still like reveling in that setting. Mm-hmm. Emphasis on guns, chases, and criminal activity. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to recommend. Uh, I did mention Lethal Weapon mm-hmm. on the Rick's. movie end of things. This Bob the toilet. Hey Riggs. Riggs. It's gonna blow. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta watch the rest of those movies. Put it in your mouth. I've seen uh, one and I've seen four. I think that's me too. Yeah. Four was ridiculous. Four, I like four a lot. It's funny. That was the first. It's one adorable. It is. It's like a family movie. It is. It is so much the family movie. <laughs> and I think that's why I like it so much. It's got Jet Li in it. Yeah, that was that was how America like people who weren't didn't already know about Jet Li, that's how he was sort of uh introduced to the mainstream. When did it come out? Nineteen ninety eight. That means we should watch it for my show. Yeah, we can. <laughs> that could be the reason to watch all of it. Mm, yeah. Jesus. Um, trying to think if there's any more cop movies or cop shows or noir ass stuff to recommend. Nah, I can't think of anything at the moment. If I think of anything else, I'll add it in when I'm editing. Anything you want to say to the listeners before we finish this? Uh, finish it. Um, if you're listening, like. Leave us a comment on SoundCloud or on Facebook. Yeah. I've been trying to take a break from thirsting for for feedback. But I think the break's gone on long enough. Please! <laughs> it doesn't have to be much. Just, like, let us know that you listened to this. Yeah, or that let you us clicked. know that you're there. I suppose we should put this at the beginning. Because <laughs> people, I think sometimes people listen for a little bit and then they turn off to just in general to things i know that's Mm -hmm. true with youtube videos Mm -hmm. but yeah if you made it to the end put like a black santa emoji on our facebook (laughs) (laughs) yeah something so we know you're there just let me know that i have like even even one listener yeah like is there something you want us to talk about yeah we're black santa we're gauging uh to see if there is anybody actually listening. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and do that. Please. Please. I'm so lonely. <sighs> so, some news pertaining to this show and just my life in general. I'll be in California probably around the time this gets posted, maybe a little after, depending on whether or not we decide to put it up early. Now, it's not going to be a super duper fun trip. There's some, uh, I guess, some business I got to attend to. But uh, I think I should be able to meet up with Mike and we can do some serious business in person recording. So, uh, you'll likely see an influx of content. Maybe not a whole lot, but definitely a bit more than normal. One of our uh, resting shows, long resting shows, I should say, will make a return. Hopefully not a brief one, but only time will tell. But uh, on to the usual. The song you're listening to right now is Synthetic Highway, and its creator is Submorphine. Please check out Submorphine at Facebook.com. Oh, God. Please check out Submorphine at SoundCloud.com slash Submorphine. S-U-B hyphen M-O-R-P-H-I-N-E. The promo theme you're going to hear next is Anime Rocker. 
Uh, its creator is Squarion, so please check out Squarion at facebook.com slash Squarion. S-Q-U-A-R-I-O-N. Please also check out Squarion's uh, Flash Project, Project Stick Part 2, at facebook.com slash Project Stick. Our website's still down, but you can check us out at sandcloud.com slash Radio. Uh, friend us on Twitter, friend us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, uh, or subscribe to us on Android, iTunes, and Google Play. We've got individual Twitter accounts, too. Mike's is at Hyper90s, mine is at OldTalkerConnect, and Joe, who's still on the weird hiatus, is at NHP Returns. Well, I guess that's it for now, so um, till next time, uh, have a good night, people. Uh, you got anything in mind for how to start this show? Big ol' Asian butts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, next up is down low.